All right. Hello. Uh, nice to see everyone again. Uh, you know, I see you, you three or you two, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm talking to the people who might be listening, watching, reading this. Uh, we're back. We missed a week. I didn't need to tell you that, but we did. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed, but it's good to be here again. Um, sitting in a new office, one that Nihal said is too plain, said it's too boring. And I'm also have a little bit of lack of light in this office. And, and so I've got a little uh, ring light on. I feel a little dark. I feel a little, a little Darth Vader-y kind uh, of kind of thing. A little too much shade, too much shadow. So I'm sorry if I'm scaring anyone. I am a happy person, and I'm here uh, today. My name is Tyler, uh, CEO, SpeakAI, co-founder. Um, those big titles that you put on when you're a small company starting things, um, when really you're just a doer and doing many things at once. Um, a lot of exciting stuff going on, I think, both from the technology side and also just from customer growth or our relationship with customers. Excited to talk a, a bit about that today and also have a great discussion with uh, with you, too. So maybe uh, make a quick intro and we'll, we'll jump in. Sure. Uh, this is Lauren, the old account at the Speak I am... Don't start. Uh, yes, I'm <laughs> time tight already. Uh, a bit of a news junkie nowadays. It's kind of a bit difficult not to be paying attention. So curious if you guys want to uh, chat about that or if it's a bit too uh, dark for a, a podcast, but. Hey, Nihal, uh, additional strategist here at Speak. Uh, just been busy with uh, doing and implementing things and experimenting. So that's that's been fun, fun, busy week. Went by real quick. Can't believe it's the end of the week already. It's like you, you talked about a lot earlier, it's just like when you're real fo focused and it's on a you know implementation or execution and it's just flow state and it's done. The day is done. And someone I was listening to the other day who said like when you have a job, a job maybe that you necessarily don't like, you're not. It's like there's always too much time in the day. When you have a career or you're doing tasks you love, it's like there's never enough time. Like at the end of every day, I'm like, wow, I just pick up my head. It's like, it's 6 p.m., you know, and I, I wish I had more time to do more, but I, I do not. So I guess it feels good with your alignment. I hope you don't, uh, you know, you guys aren't looking at the clock all day saying when it's 5 p.m. so I can check out. I sure know I, I don't feel that way. When I used to referee hockey, I used to have to ref games and literally there was a clock mounted massively on the wall, but when there was a whistle, the clock would stop. So you like 20 minutes were gone by and you'd look up at the clock and it had only changed like a minute and a half because there'd been a bunch of breaks and stuff. And I remember the excruciating, that excruciating length of time that it felt like when I was doing that, there was also a sign to me, I maybe shouldn't be doing this for the rest of my life. And also that sort of subjective experience of time that you have based on what you're doing, if you're enjoying it versus not enjoying it. It's very weird. Anyways, what I would like to address, you know, what I think, you know, you brought up here, I think, you know, things can be dark in the world, but not necessarily doesn't mean you should be avoiding them. And, uh, you know, I know it's certainly on my mind. I know, you know, most of the world is sort of thinking and sometimes watching and often with horror of some of the stuff that's going on right now. And when all that information is coming in and sort of stimulation and these things are happening, sometimes it is hard to focus on other things or, you know, not get distracted. So one, I'm not sure if you have any you know, thoughts on this in particular, anything that you want to talk about in, in, in this, in this idea? Um, yeah, just thinking about like how, you know, these catastrophes that happen like on com the complete opposite side of the world can have rever reverberations like all throughout uh, everybody's lives. Um, and like even just like the industry too. Uh, the most obvious one is just the, the rising gas prices, the rising energy prices. And um, I'm just curious about... Uh, you know the people that we uh, the people that we deal with. Um, how much of an impact is this going to really have? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of our clients are all you know, hundred percent pretty much are just uh, computer based. Um, you know, requiring large amounts of electricity to you know um, process all of this uh, this data that's going through a business. And um, I'm curious to see like you know with the rising uh, prices of energy there. Does that really make a difference as far as um, like our processing as well? Will we see ourselves like a cost rising um, for just uh, producing and like um, processing all the audio and video? Um, or is it, it was a kind of locked in? I must, uh, I'm curious about that. It seems like prices um, 
like all over the world are just changing it's so tied to oil really like food prices are going to go up um pretty much like any sort of aspect of life is going to be changing from that um so i'm just curious if you think you guys will see any sort of uh changes in our own workflow from this as well if um you know maybe we'll see like a less of this certain type of client coming in or more so this uh, type of client coming in uh, we work with a lot of healthcare, and maybe this um maybe this will be a boom for healthcare as well it's kind of shitty to say like a boom where there's going to be more and a need for healthcare. Um, uh, but there will definitely be some sort of change going on there. So I'm just curious about if you guys have been thinking about like how this is going to impact uh, the business in this industry. Um, Nihal did not jump in. So I guess I'll say something of like, first of all, I actually haven't thought of the impact as much on a, you know, say a base cost for our systems and how it's running. Cause, and maybe I'm actually uh, not thinking about this properly, but when I'm thinking about, you know, the cost of these prices, a lot of times I'm thinking about oil, gas, you know, and in my way, I feel a little, insu I feel a little insulated in that and maybe not rightfully so that again, I'm sitting in my office, none of us are traveling, we're all working remotely. I feel grateful that I'm not like in my gas guzzling truck uh, having to drive, you know, every day and, and do that. So in a way, I feel like we're very privileged and do have some de-risking um, mechanisms in, in our business and in our industry as a whole uh, to handle this. And, you know, maybe not, you know, obviously really sad things going on in the world, but there was a, a shift in the pandemic, which led to virtualization and with that virtualization actually accelerated adoption of technologies like ours uh, like you know the the zoomification of the world where then all these conversations are taking place there and then large data sets of media recordings are adding up and people needing to do more with that like um i don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen but <clears throat> if i'm having a vehicle and two things seem to be happening like i have a gas vehicle so gas is too expensive so i'm going to most likely avoid traveling if it's not absolutely necessary. And now what I'm reading about is that a lot of minerals used in EV components for clean car development are also, you know, being tied up. And so now, even if I want to go green, um, there might be an impact on pricing uh, that way. So um, I don't know, these are good questions. And it's, it's also hard, right? It's like, you don't really, you like when you're looking at some of the stuff, like, I mean, there's a lot going on in the world right now, but with when we talk about, I mean, it's crazy to say, but like war and devastation, you also don't even like to think about it in the paradigm of business, to be honest. Like, I don't like to think about it that way. It's like, there's bigger things at large going on in the world. And I hope, you know, that we can, you know, make it through and weather that storm and continue to grow and do things. But at, at a core level, it's just like, I'm sad that there is suffering uh, right now. So, um, and, you know, I really struggled last, at the end of last month, which was like, we send out this up monthly update. And I'm like, does anyone even care about this right now? You know, like, how do I even share this information? How do we, you know, maybe rightfully so proudly talk about growth and the, and the good things that we're doing when there's so much not going right uh, in the world. Uh, so it's definitely been like a very delicate thing. I've seen companies try to address this in different ways. I think some really well, some maybe not as well. Um, and we're just trying to do our best. And the last part was like, I had a sentence in that update email that I actually re removed, which was like, in this time, our team is, you know, at least I, and I think most of us are just trying to do like the best we can at our work and like what we love doing. And, uh, and in one way that feels right. And in the other way, it feels like maybe we're not contributing enough to, uh, you know, larger issues that maybe do feel isolated because they're not located regionally to us, but are, will have an impact on us. And in the end are having an impact on humans, which we all are. So, uh, It's, it's, it's tough to, to find that line of how do you talk about, uh, I guess, issues in the world without, uh, you know, necessarily even saying the wrong thing. So I think what's that, what's that line? It's like, if you, uh, don't have anything to anything useful to say, you know, you're better off not saying anything, but then the flip side of that is kind of, you know, is, is your silence, 
like but complicit with anything but the way i view it from a business perspective right and i know a lot of tech companies or a lot of companies in general sometimes get backlash for this oh you should take a political stance right oh your employees want you to take a political stance on issues but i i do think in many cases there's so many roadblocks and hoops to jump through for large corporations to actually take any sort of meaningful stance that like at most they can do things like okay we're going to pull our services from this nation right but they you can't expect like a ghoul to like denounce an entire nation right or denounce government like that's not their place and from a business perspective it doesn't make sense for them so same in, in our case like obviously we're a much smaller company but um we can obviously have our personal opinions. We can have our thoughts and, you know, we're entitled to be who we want to be in our private circles. Uh, but, but sometimes that begs the question of, you know, as a company, um, where and when is it meaningful to, you know, take a stance without it being performative, right? Cause I think you also end up falling into that trap sometimes where there's so many companies that have just hopped on this bandwagon, right? Like, but one thing that I've found, for example, that's kind of gross, right, is now there's a lot of like <clears throat> uh, merchandise stores, let's say, that have popped up selling, oh, you know, like we stand with Ukraine merch, but none of the proceeds go towards like Ukrainian war efforts or like, you know, like first aid or whatever it is. And it's, it's just you never want to end up in a position where you might end up just contributing to, you know, the, the senseless capitalism, essentially. Um, so uh specifically to our business i i guess since a lot of our business is more western focused and even where our servers um a lot of the tools we use uh, are kind of us based or europe based you know maybe western europe i feel like we haven't really seen much disruption or issues arise on that front um but the flip side and an interesting thing at least in the marketing world is a, a lot of SEO tools and marketing tools are actually like Ukrainian based or um, a lot of the largest uh, SEO companies are, have like Ukrainian connections, right? Like some of the top technical SEOs in the world are like Ukrainian or like Russian or Belarusian, whatever it might be. So like Aref, for example, like the founder is, is uh, Ukrainian, right? And so one thing that I thought was interesting about their um, strategy and but part of why, you know, when we're kind of just testing around different platforms, why I thought it was neat is basically if you uh, donated, let's say, you know, two months worth of AREF's uh, subscription money to them, they'd extend your subscription by, I think, like like twice that amount or something, right? Which, which I thought was like pretty, you know, a good way for you to take a stand as a company while still providing end value to, you know, your users and your community as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, over, overall, like it's shit. There, sorry. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's like uh, awful people uh, running in powerful positions. And yeah. uh, the most we can do here is just try to live our best lives and, you know, let the, uh, let these so-called world leaders take care of things or not take care of them, as is more often the case. And, and Ukraine was becoming quite a development technical yeah. hub. And we've, yeah. I mean, I've dealt with people in Ukraine before who are wonderful people and driven and motivated and care about their work that they do. And so um, I really, I really do feel for it. And I agree on the part of like, I know they, the term for it, you know, related to environmental is uh, like greenwashing, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, I mean, companies have done this really good, like a uh, 10 tree, obviously, right? Where you, you know, you buy a shirt to plant 10 trees, but then there would be other companies that would say, hey, you know, 1% of whatever goes somewhere that you're not even sure in this idea. And I think, you know, many people are, you know, we're all in a way opportunists, but uh, I think you take, you know, try to take opportunities in a, you know, a, a, a respectful way, considering the situation and, and what's going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to, everyone here is obviously following the situation, we're going to continue to follow it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting and, and difficult to sometimes operate just normally as bigger things go on in the world. And I think it's also a sign that we need to prepare for, like growing up, I thought that their world was much more concrete 
to be honest, and you realize it's not, you know, there's a lot of things that you just could never expect that just come out of nowhere. And so like resilience, the ability to adapt and, and learn and, and quickly adjust is, is really important. And, you know, obviously a very different thing, but we went through this in the start of COVID where I think, you know, in one month we lost like 80% of our revenue. And I thought we were so strong because we were a digital agency and then you know you're dealing with ymcas and hearing aid clinics and all these people who are location-based companies and they call you and say we have no idea what's going to happen now we're shutting down we have no revenue source we don't know when we're going to come back we can't honor this contract there's nothing to advertise uh we're not even existent and that was a very scary time and um we made it through we persevered and we actually grew which i felt you know, if you can make it through some of those times and you can make it through a lot of that, maybe the easier times, but I think we're, you know, maybe not uh, in that easier time. And just one last point of like, there is downstream effects for, I would say startups and business, I would say specifically startups, which is now being talked about, which was last year, this very idea of like frothy valuations of companies raising obscene amount of monies at obscene valuations with almost no friction. I wish I could say I had the same experience, but that's not uh, what happened. Now there is the constricting of valuations, the constricting of money being invested and much more scrutiny on the terms of investments. And so a company that just raised that hundred million valuation in today's world, depending how this world changes, their valuation is most likely $50 million now, realistically, if even that. And it's for them to actually raise again at a valuation that ma- that matches or exceeds is going to be very very difficult. There are going to be a lot of people who lose money um, because of 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 the recklessness of investing that had took place leading up to everything here. So um, you know, in a way, like you know, the smart founders have gotten a you know, they got a war chest of money. They've got years. They will maneuver through this and they will figure out what to do. And we might see changes in how these companies then operate obviously prioritizing revenue, really driving towards break even because, you know, people aren't, they're pulling out of growth stocks and investing more in fundamentals too. So we might see a change in a way I feel not really out of choice, but because of our sort of bootstrap nature and where we are today, we actually do have a little bit more resiliency and ability to adjust uh, here. So that's sort of the one last thing that I've sort of noticed following, um, you know, what, what's going on in sort of startups and, and technology specifically. Yeah, a lot more freedom too, but it's just going to require uh, just proper management and proper uh, knowledge about where things are going to be going. Uh, we are a pretty young company. Um, well, youngish. I don't know. Would you guys really consider us to be startup anymore? Do you think we're kind of oh, yeah. beyond that now? No, we'd be, I mean, yes, there's a year time. I guess you look at it like maturity of age, but then also maturity of stage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, startups can be startups for 10 years. Uh, it's more of like the level of scale that they hit. I don't know, you know, if we agree, but it's like that. Again, it always seems just like million dollar ARR. Even then you're still a startup, but you're cross, you're moving on to more of a, a growth like a stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like a small business. Yeah. Well, and a lot of money, a lot of investment is actually being routed into different places like climate tech, you know, like mm. how can we make obviously green energy? How can we become energy independent? That's a huge conversation that's happening right now. And obviously people looking for quick solutions that are most likely not there about how do we make that happen, but we'll continue to see investment in, in climate tech uh, and in energy independence, new forms of energy, and you know, hopefully also trying to make the, the, the planet a healthy, more clean, sustainable place. Um, yeah, so. especially in like the grant uh, ecosystem now, it's very much focused on clean tech, clean tech, clean tech over and over. Um, so it's interesting just to see like the shift of money based on you know values and policies and culture and stuff like that. I love seeing companies like when I see a company that is even a big company, like I don't even, I shouldn't name names because I'm not exactly sure, but they're like net zero or even net positive. Uh, like, and they've done that work to be that kind of business. Like that's incredible. And it was also, I watched a climate tech um, fund come and talk on this week in startups and said, you know, in the end, when you're rallied around a mission, something as valuable and important as climate tech, the 
growth of the business, obviously, I mean, growth in business is one thing, but the ability to attract talent or attract people who are passionate and talented. Like if you're, if you're, if you're trying to acquire, uh, you know, talent for a climate tech um, that is removing carbon um, from the atmosphere to change the world and save humanity, that's easier than, uh, you know, someone who is building the next hyper-targeted, you know, ad system that's, you know, like that, that, that ship has sort of not sailed. Obviously it's not going away anytime soon, but people are looking to align work with passion. And if you can rally around those proper things, there's a, there's a lot of value there. So I think that is another signal that we'll change, see, especially as sometimes doom faces you, you sort of look and say, why am I doing this? If I'm, you know, why am I doing something I don't care about? Or if I might not even have that much time on this earth or on this planet, or that just this sort of, you know, thought you have is that time is so valuable and we're so lucky to have it. Why would you be doing it on something that maybe doesn't drive you or make you feel passionate when you wake up every single day? I didn't know we were going to have this conversation. Lauren, interesting. Any other thoughts, I guess, specifically, you know, on this? I know it's sort of a little bit wide ranging, but, uh, you know, I think an important conversation to have. Yeah, we'll see how things uh, evolve over time. We'll keep an eye on things, but um, overall, I think that we're uh, ourselves are in a good position. But that also means that we should probably be, um, you know, a bit more uh, emphatic towards people who aren't uh, in a particularly great position after all this. Uh, which actually kind of reminded me to um, we worked with a, a UI UX firm, Cinnamon Agency, a time ago. Were they not in the Ukraine as well? Croatia. They were Croatia, right. yeah. Okay. On the same sphere there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things don't uh, spread too far into the caucuses, I guess. Yeah. Hope so. You know, you're good? Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, you know, I guess maybe just to, part of this was like um, a conversation that I tried to spur the end of last week and then even at the start of this week, which actually are always sort of hard conversations, but I always think lead to good things, which is that there is, no matter where, you know, no matter what, there's sort of this level of urgency that you have. Um, and, uh, you know, again, in the past, you know, Lauren, you and I, and Vatsal, Nihal hasn't necessarily been a part of it, but um, I think we've talked about this maybe one time before, which was like, we were so close to running out of cash that it was terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, I forget what it was, Lauren. I don't remember if you know the exact amount of days that it was, but we would have the like thing on the board of like death day. <laughs> and like, that was like in the office, right? And that was like a horrible way to do it. Uh, it was sort of this dark sense of humor, but it also made you prioritize and rally around the right things. And, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to, I don't know how to actually like sometimes deliver that message. Like it's something I'm trying to work on, which is like, Hey guys, we're doing good. We're seeing growth right now, but we can always prioritize better. We can always make better decisions. We can always make this, you know, if we're this smart, like even at a core level, if there's four of us, we're all smart, willing, capable, talented people. You can always do more and not even always do more. doesn't mean like you work more hours. That means like you be more effective with the time that you have. And, you know, uh, again, I'm not very good at delivering that message. Sometimes I'm, I'm working through that, but what I like is that the team has always been very responsive to say, okay, okay. Okay. If this is what we're then doing, what do I change or how can I be more impactful? How can I, you know, without that level of anxiety, more like, a steady hand as a doctor in a surgery, make better decisions or act with precision to make the impact that's required. So I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts on that feedback, how that feels being on the other end of it. Uh, you know, that'd be something I'm really interested in and hopefully other people are too. Well, I've been uh, I've been pretty used to this discussion uh, from time to time. Maybe back in the day saying death day was not uh, not the greatest thing to say, but uh, it also put quite the uh, fire under your uh, your butt. Um, I'm curious to see how Neil has been feeling about it because I feel like we had brought up um, recently. That was probably like uh, the first time Neil had um, taken a scope of you know the uh, the financial health of the business. Mm -hmm. and it's something that I've always been used to. It always felt like um, our burn rate was fluctuating quite a bit. Our runway was you know, a bit uh, nail biting and then we got a bit more space. It always seemed to be a topic of discussion for me, but 
just curious from uh, Nihal's perspective if um, if it was a bit uh, too much. Like, do you want to know about that? Is that important to you, or would you rather? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think you know, th there's always this trade-off you make when you join a smaller team or a smaller company, right? Where you you're generally trading off whatever, like the ability to coast uh, and you know possibly make more money at the start. Um, but then you know, in a smaller company, um, the, the last thing anyone wants really is you know out of the blue like one week before like hey everyone like <laughs> this is our last week in business right um so, so i th i think a it's, it's always nice to have that kind of transparency right because obviously like bullying in public but then also just from an internal communications perspective right i think it gives everyone a sense of um awareness Right of, of you know everything that good that's happening, and then all the things that you know could send all that good hurtling uh, <laughs> towards zero. Um, I I do think that uh, I I feel like one thing that and obviously you know like Tyler's like speaking to us as friends and like, but when we have these conversations, I feel like uh, let's say we have added team members right or as the team grows or people that might not have the chance to work as closely with you like sometimes i think leaving out the personal element of it right i, I think is important because then that way you're just focusing on okay here are the business like you know like even if obviously there is personal liability on the line i think it's like it's always this question about right like why would other people care Right, like what? What is what is the element that people care about? Because I feel like it's 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 like a risky play to kind of a lot of pressure sometimes for people, right? Like where it's like it's it's almost like you need to do this for me, right? Like, like almost that mindset can develop, which I I don't necessarily think is healthy, right? Like in, no no matter the situation, whether it's a relationship, whether it's like a partnership, whatever that is. So I think. When we dis discuss these business metrics, sometimes I feel like it's like, okay, what is our just just overall you know outlook for the business? What are the kind of uh, defined KPIs we need to hit, and then how to go after them, and the kind of I guess bottom line uh, is still important, but I feel like that is really something that uh, how do I put this? Like in a way, I I feel like it's it's not it's it's the the at the the bottom line is something that everyone should care about, but I don't think everyone will necessarily feel as strongly about uh, if if that makes sense. Where it's like because like once again, there's not that sense of personal liability there, right? So it's like I I don't know if that's the strongest call to action versus oh uh, here's how we get to you know have more equipment, have more blah, you know, like a kind of flipping the switch instead of oh like uh it's d-day it's more like how do we get to you know do more and be more essentially and i feel like maybe from a messaging perspective switching to that i think will probably you know allow you also to be a bit more positive when you do need to have these uh, tougher conversations right? yeah so it's uh it's probably a bit more uh productive to find motivation more so from like the positive of what could go right as opposed to what could go wrong you'd probably yeah. be a bit more eager to get to work and a lot less uh, stressed out because then you're you're working and you're thinking oh the harder i work the, the better i'm going to do instead of i need to work harder or else bad things will happen yeah and also i think when you remove that layer of um once again depending on personal right like, like we don't really have anyone else to compare to or like ask get their opinion about but it's like for people that might not necessarily resonate well with you know these stressful um uncertainties right like i i feel like that could be a really big deterrent let's say you brought someone on and then you hit them with this news and then now they're like what have i done right instead of oh like we're a healthy business we're a growing business but here are the realities of like a smaller business, right? So it's just like, 
here is one thing to keep in mind, but then here are all the things we're going to do to make sure that this isn't something you'll need to worry about, essentially, right? Uh, which, which I think, for the most part, you did, right? And obviously, it, it, there's a lot going on in life as well, which, uh, like, I'm sure brings up these these thoughts and like worries and like, uh, you know, you thinking about the future and like your future, which is important too, right? So, um, yeah, but 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 overall, I th I think it was an it was a good discussion in the sense that. Uh, I think it gave everyone like a renewed sense of like, okay, if, if I can, you know, my, anything that I can have an impact with, if it helps, you know, prevent this worst case scenario is a step in the positive direction, right? Uh, anything that helps us, all grow and like, you know, do more things and get more things, whatever it is, like is, is a positive, right? So as long as you're kind of making those steps forward, uh, even if things don't pan out at the end, like you've at least, you know, you, you're kind of putting your best foot forward the entire way there, right? Instead of like worrying about the what if, and then never actually taking steps to potentially not even have to go down that path. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, I appreciate no, I appreciate you sharing, and I'm you know what those conversations too are. I would say much different than they used to be because all of us can see positive trajectory. You know what I mean, and feel the growth and feel that things are working. Whereas earlier versions of similar conversations were like, there's no one using this thing. We're not even sure if this thing's going to work. Uh, there, you know, like there is one person who logged in in the last month, <laughs> you know, so the, the definitely like when you contrast, okay, business realities with, oh, we're all these things that we're doing are actually working and making an impact and a positive one, it, it becomes not a conflicting conversation, but something that you can sort of deal with in a more manageable way. And I think also like one thing I've learned is like, it's hard to divorce. It's hard to work in a stress and stressful anxiety, you know, a stressful situation. And I know early when Vatsal first started working, we had this really, you know, tough conversation about like him not wanting to know because all he wanted to focus on was good engineering. You know what I mean? Like that's all he cared about. He's like, the fact that I'm worried about, you know, where I'm going to be in a month is actually taking up so much of my cognitive processing that I can't even do my own coding well. And I do agree. I think there is that desire to protect people on the team, people that you care about, people who are should be really just left to the work that they're doing and making sure uh, that they're doing a good job. And I think that's why you see again, like in especially in like tech companies, um, like you know, especially an engineer is just treated as like you know a god. Uh, it's like put them in their room with their 19 monitors, uh, don't touch them when they're in flow state, never just let them focus on the problems that they're supposed to be solving. And I think that is a, a really valuable thing. I think, you know, the question, I guess, or I guess if, mm, I don't know if that's right, but it's like, you don't need, you should, if, if everyone is doing things right, those conversations realistically shouldn't even have to happen. You know what I mean? Like if we're if we're actually doing the right decision making at all times. Now, of course, there are natural limitations of capabilities and market timing and all these things. But to me, you know, with for example, how far along we are, how good, you know, we've got a great product, we've got a good team, um, we've got inbound channels and everything here. It's like, you know, if I, if if we're having this conversation right now, then 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 we must not be doing something exactly right or at least we can optimize and do a little better here and so i think again you know neil i really appreciate that feedback because it's something i wrestle with and it's hard and it's like uh, especially like again that personal element and I've, it's actually been more personal to me in the past because i'm i just care about it so much i'm passionate about it but i'm also passionate like i care about you guys you know what i mean i care, care about all of you guys who have took a risk or you know, when we went through a really tough time, Lauren basically like went contract and still helped us out and then rejoined when we were able to have him. And that makes me emotional. You know what I mean? That I've been on a ride with, especially, I mean, Lauren and, and Vatsal more three, more than three years now. And that ride has not always been easy. And it's like, like 
when you invest so much time and love and care into something, you don't want to see that go. And so you, you, you know, not out of desperation, it's more of like an emotional call to action of like this, 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 I care about this a lot. We care about this a lot. And, um, you know, there are good people at the core who have, who really just want to see this work. And so how do we make this happen? Sometimes that does make me uh, emotional, but I, I try better and better to do it. And I'm also trying to look at it as I would say a better business owner and entrepreneur of like, these are actually the steps we need to make to make the business healthy, to make sure that we can grow, to make sure that we can do all these things. And I think about these terrible situations like, like Peloton, right? Their, their stock crashes, their, 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 you know, new CEO comes in or whatever, it has to lay off 25% of the people and how emotional that must be. I could not imagine, you know, looking at, at their point, whatever, 2000 people and saying, you guys, are done. And obviously, you know, you're talented people, you know, that you're going to work, you know, they're going to go other, find other roles and stuff like that. They're probably highly desired and highly wanted, but it's like what you're trying to avoid is, you know, negative consequences or outcomes for people who have dedicated time and energy uh, to something. So um, yeah, I, that's all. That's all I have to say. I'm not sure. Any, any other thoughts on this? This uh, two conversations we didn't know uh, that were really going to happen. Any, any other, any other thoughts? I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, success for this, this, this product is success for all of us, right? Like whatever business, um, if, if the business succeeds, when the business succeeds, like it's, I mean, we are succeeding, but you know, it succeeds more. <laughs> it's like, I feel like that is something, you know, you can truly just look at it and be like, you know, that was something we did right? Like it wasn't necessarily like all luck or it wasn't necessarily just, you know, right time, right place, whatever it is. It was like, you know, there was time and effort put into this, right? Like uh, that has led to this point. And then once you hit a point where you're satisfied with your journey, right? It's it's like, okay, do I continue on this journey or is it like, you know, is it something else? Like, do we turn this into something else, turn this into something bigger? Are we happy at the stage? Like, what what does that look like? Right, because the, the way I view it, like I, I guess maybe it's just uh, the nature of the SaaS world, right? But for a lot of people, like running a you know seven-figure business is all they really need, right? Like uh, you don't need to be the next unicorn to like live a good life, right? Like a good manageable life. But then sometimes it's like within the SaaS space, is that really possible? Like just to kind of you know, bootstrap yourself, let's say to the point where you are at a, you know, 5 million, 6 million a year. And then do you stop or do you actually have to start taking in more money and actually like is growing? I, I think that's all had this conversation on one of our earlier podcasts too, right? Where it's like, if you're not growing, you're like, I think it was like, you're dying or like you're stagnating, something like that. Right. Um, and I feel like that's especially true within the software space, right? You, you can't really just stagnate unless your niche is like super low tech, right? And especially considering where we are, right? Like the kind of ML space, AI space, like you can't ever really stop improving or you can't ever stop building something better. It's just, okay, how, how do you now get the, the means by which to keep developing and keep growing and, you know, keep moving forward? So some interesting things for us to think about and work around, right? And I think uh, seeing some renewed, like renewed focus um, at all levels too is like, it's is like interesting, interesting to see, so. Yeah, I mean, I think again, maybe clumsy execution on me at the start, but I loved what you said at the end of the week, which was like, I felt more focused than I have, you know, in a long time on these tasks. And again, we sort of banged out these, you know what in the end like you know if you're not it could probably take a couple of weeks to pull together blah 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 and it's like two days later we have live campaigns running but you know a bunch of things that we want so like that that excites me again i, I think that the, the entry to that needs to be much better but overall if every week you at the end of the week you said oh, i felt more focused than i felt that makes that means we did something right, right? And that means that if we all feel that way, then that's pretty damn exciting. That's how I know I feel when I come at the end of the week. I'm like, holy shit! Uh, you know, even Lauren's um, you know weekly reports where I'm like, oh, we're seeing growth every week. That makes me feel 
you know, optimistic going into the weekend. It makes me excited over the weekend and it brings me back into the next week with more vigor, with more focus, all these things. And just like one other note that you said there, Neil, like I, I sort of, I, I always knew that was true, but I remember one day, like Vatso was like, you know, you're never going to be able to stop building this. You know what I mean? Like he just like sort of said, like, this is never over. And I was like, at that time, I forget where we were. I'm like, but I'm paying so much money to build this. Like, I need to stop paying to build this. Like, it's so expensive. And it was just this sort of like, oh, you're right. Like, this will never end. This innovation will never end. We could do, we could, you know, you could have hundreds of people dedicate around this and they could still find work to do. Still, there's optimizations. There's still things that could be improved. And that was like a both at a tough, but also a beautiful moment of like, yeah, this a desire for innovation and, and growth and the necessary, the, necess the necessity of that to actually be successful. And one other part that you said was like, what happens when a company, even if they don't necessarily want to grow, but say, if, I mean, if you're hitting SaaS, $6 million ARR a year, people are going to start throwing money at you. You know what I mean? Like that, we saw that with Dovetail. Like they, they like didn't even want necessarily to raise funding, but they were like, people gave us so much money at such good terms. It would, it was irresponsible to say no, you know, I hope that's the situation that we can one day get to. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think a lot of the mechanisms that we're now pulling and finding places to optimize are leading us to at least places of traction and numbers of this numbers don't lie mentality that it's going to make any experiences to raise money, whether equity um, you know, if it's even debt on good terms, all these different ways, or even like what we're seeing now, like pipe and all these companies like uh, revenue-based financing, um, like there, it makes that much easier uh, and frictionless because again, cash is the life, you know, it's the lifeblood of every business. And, you know, what I'm, you know, I know we're still wrestling with here as a team is like, it's to me, I think maybe you guys, I hope it's like, it feels pretty clear what levers we could pull to make a bigger impact, to see more growth, to do things right. And yet we don't necessarily have the resources or the, ta the talent to do it. And that is always a frustrating. And I know no matter what stage of the business, you always feel that way. Um, and I need to learn to live with that, but it's also still makes me frustrated. Uh, so, yeah. It'll provide you with a, a good goal to, to get those resources in order to get what you want to do exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and like Nihal said, it's the, M, the, the software MRR part, right? Which was like, in a way, we sort of did bring this on ourselves by building sort of self-serve, no-code application for, you know, smaller businesses and solo entrepreneurs, et cetera, et cetera, which is like, you know, in one way, a dream has been fulfilled, which is like, someone comes, they sign up, they start paying for our account. Maybe they send us one message on intercom. We answer that question, they're happy, they go back to using the system. Like that's a dream. You know what I mean? Like that truly is a dream accomplished. And I I I I mean didn't realize how hard it is, but I imagine my whole life that not my whole life, but a long time since starting my entrepreneurship. I'm like, is this even possible? Because when I was running six five the agency, it's like every thing to I did was so hard. Everything was so custom, everything was so manual. Uh, and I was like, there, there must be a better way. And I actually feel like there's a better way, but then there are sacrifices that you make that maybe you're going to see software growth month over month, but it's maybe not going to be $2,000 at a time, $5,000 at a time. So some of those, um, you know, goals that you want to hit from a financial growth perspective don't come as quick and you just need patience. Um, but, you know, again, you face with the realities of time and talent and all these things, that equation becomes sometimes difficult. And then you look over at, you know, like, you know, Nihal said, like an agency or something where it's like, they're pulling in millions of dollars a year because they're doing custom services. That would be fantastic right now to have that cash. Or, you know, there's a big B2B business selling with an outbound channel where deals are $100,000 a year. And two of those then pay off that thing. But then I talk a conversation with them and they're like, we want product-led growth. So it's always grass is greener. It's a hilarious thing that you sort of work through and navigate with, but I'm proud to do it with you guys. I love doing it. And this has been a lot of fun even these last weeks, even when you have sometimes conversations like that. Yeah, they're fun yeah. to have. They're important conversations, and it really uh, uh, sends a shock to the system, but a good shock really wakens you up. Cold punch.
Uh, any other thoughts? I know, okay, so first of all, I have a call in 10 minutes and uh, you know me, I have drank it. You've seen me drink a whole entire smoothie <laughs> and a lot of water today. So you know what's gonna happen here. Anything to close this off or wrap this up? This was, uh, again, I don't think we talked basically to anything that we no. said we were going to, but overall, I think still a, a great conversation. Yeah, did you want to did you want to talk about any of those quickly? Anything that's uh, uh, on the tip of the tongue? Maybe the uh, Tyler, if you wanted to just quickly talk about the including excluding function and the zoom integration uh, and why we think those are like nice, powerful additions. Bringing it back, uh, I like it. That's uh, <laughs> I'd be proud of you. Uh, uh, two things I guess that are coming here, which we're really excited about, are. You know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but uh, this idea of like um, custom categories. And when you come in to speak, you get two things. You get default categories, people, brands, locations that's automatically extracted from your text, audio, and video. and helps you sort of build a mental model around what took place in this conversation or unstructured text. And we found that was really valuable, but then people came to us with, I want to actually detect uh, custom categories. I want to... Um, build out um, emotion or action items or things like that and include an account. So this is where custom categories came from. And one thing that we found is this mechanism of adding keywords or phrases that are connected to those categories is really valuable. And what I'm, and we'll demo this maybe with a screen share next week, but basically say you have a brand and that brand is not getting tech detected automatically from that system, from our system, you can add your brand as a keyword or key phrase in and anytime moving forward, it will automatically find it. And you can also retroactively analyze all your, all your media and pull that out. But then what we would have is our system sometimes detecting say a brand that wasn't actually a brand or a person that wasn't actually a person. And it could just be, you know, the capitalization of a word that um, in that specific word or the capitalization and position in a sentence indicated to our system that it was a, a brand and it wasn't actually, or it was a person and it wasn't actually. So now with a single click, you can say exclude this from not just this individual note, but on a global basis. And what that actually allows you to do is without any code, without any you know, technical developers, this would usually be a big process of manual data cleaning and labeling. You are basically cleaning your own data set, your own curated library of insights. And um, you know, it seems sort of like nerdy and technical and niche, but it actually has huge ramifications for um, people who are using our system and want to get the most accurate insights possible and do that as quickly as possible without big development time or talent or resources. And so it is very uh, exciting. We will share a little bit more about that. And as Vatsal said, like, how do we describe this in, you know, an accessible sort of, uh, you know, way so people actually do understand the value? Because it, in a way, it, to me, it's actually a very novel system and a pretty complex functionality we've tried to make as easy as possible to enable something that wasn't really possible for most people uh, in the past. So if you were to give a quick kind of, it, uh, uh, don't force uh, me to do this. Example of how someone might use it. Uh, how would you maybe do that in like a minute pitch or a 30 second pitch? So <laughs> I, uh, I, I upload um, uh, interview and um, there's this person uh, named uh, uh, Jimmy Joe. Uh, and Jimmy Joe uh, is then picked up as a brand uh, because of um, um, just the categorization of our system automatically. Um, what I can easily do is like click on this uh, Jimmy Joe and say, this is not a brand. Uh, and I can then exclude it, not just from that interview, but any interview ever moving forward. So Jimmy Joe will never, ever show up as a brand again. And, and furthermore, I can say, you know what, Jimmy Joe is actually my friend. And I actually want to either put it as a person and label it specifically as a person, or I actually make my own category and say friend. And now in all my conversations or all my notes, I can automatically detect my friend Jimmy Joe uh, in anything moving forward. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I did my best. Yeah, that was tough. Mm. Um, and Jimmy Joe was a terrible example, but that is that is it. And I know, you know, Neil, I know you had the experience. We've all had the experience. Or we get the summaries of our own Zoom recordings where I'm like, yeah, that's not a person or that's not a brand. Or and it's it's 
it's it's frustrating. And the fact that we can now X that out uh, in seconds is amazing. And, you know, I compare it again, which is not a good example. I know I've come up a time. It's like the negative keyword list in Google ads, mm-hmm. where it's like you're advertising on search keywords and terms. And then one comes in that you don't like, and you're like, I never want to advertise on that term again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw it into a list and I'll never have to worry about paying for that click again. The same function is now being allowed, uh, enabled in your data analysis. Awesome. Uh, and zoom, you know, you know, what's your, you're pushing me on the end of, you know, I have to pee and you're, <laughs> you're still forcing me to do this uh, the zoom integration process. I mean, this one, I think is much more intuitive. We're in zoom right now. Uh, at the end of this, I don't want to go manually upload this into speak. Now I don't have to do that right now because Zapier actually does it for me. And it's pretty beautiful. Uh, but in general, um, we are now going to be embedded with the native integration. Uh, all those all those recordings, again, we'll show a demo of this probably next week as it goes live. It's in the process of going live. It's quite a process to obviously build it, but then get approved. Uh, Vatsal's not here to talk about this. Vatsal, hope you're feeling better, buddy. Um, but what's really exciting to me about Zoom is that there, if you click in Zoom, there's the apps and you can sort of discover different apps. And so now, um, you'll be able to see speak in that sidebar as an application on the Zoom marketplace. And, um, you know, we did a little hack of it's, you know, the, it's titled Analyze and Transcribe with Speak AI. Uh, and so it should be near the top. It enables another layer of discovery um, for, for us. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, hopefully people then can find something that not just allows them to transcribe, allows them to analyze frictionlessly. <laughs> Uh, uh, adopt that system, sign up, use it, and then any interview or any call, any conference moving forward that they're using with Zoom will automatically appear in uh, in Speak, be transcribed, analyzed, and we're now doing a lot of work to you know, build summarizations that are even more valuable of those individual calls, but then also populate the Explore dashboard so you can get insights on a more specific basis. And tag it. So if you know you're having a bunch of conversations with one person, you can start to see what you've talked about over time. And then lastly, give you very intuitive ways to share that in an interactive way that allows people to sort of intelligently navigate through that media and find the moments that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Ooh, it's too late. I did it. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. Uh, thank you for, you know, I think that is important, you know, um, uh, to, to talk about and something we've been working on for a long time. And a lot of these things, again, st- seem to be culminations of work where sometimes these things feel disjointed, but then it all comes together to make a use case or a workflow or a value creation um, pretty seamless. So uh, anything from you guys before we uh, close this out? I think it's all pretty good. This is a very good call. chat. Yeah. I missed last week. I know it was, but we had a long conversation before. I'm like, we've been on the call for two hours already. You know, let's, 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 you know, I find that even though our conversation didn't necessarily revolve specifically around these topics, when, you know, you take a week to separate it, you have a little bit more inspiration coming into it and you have a little bit more uh, to talk about. Absolutely. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you everyone who uh, tuned into this. We'll, we'll share it out. And uh, you know what? I saw some stats on uh, our website because we've got all of them on podcast now. So we're seeing some, seeing some lessons uh, go up. Uh, so um, for anyone who's listening, appreciate very much. We appreciate you. Uh, and hope you have a great, great rest of your day. Bye. Bye.